Welcome to week one of Fearless Mom 2016 Fall. We are so excited to get started. We have been praying, planning, prepping since our last session in the spring. And so we are pumped that we are finally here, particularly if this is your first time to ever do Fearless Mom. We are thrilled that you are joining us. And we want to start by taking a second to welcome in our online moms. Online moms, we pray that you feel our cheers from Austin. We love technology. Technology allows us to gather here, but also to reach out to moms who may be watching. We have moms all over the country, even outside of this country watching. And whether you're watching with a group or you are watching by yourself, in your car, hiding in your closet, whatever it may be, if you're watching with a group, we love our fearless online groups. If you're watching by yourself, remember you may be by yourself, but you are not alone. We are cheering you on, right girls? We hope that you feel part of the big picture of Fearless Mom, and we hope that you'll tune in every week so that we can gather together and cheer each other on. Now, each year, I like to start by getting on the same page. Um, I think it's very important that all of you guys realize that I do not teach parenting because I parented perfectly. I teach parenting because I do believe passionately that an army of moms who are equipped, prepared, and empowered can literally change the world. And maybe changing the world begins with changing a diaper with joy and purpose. And so that's what our prayer is for you. No matter where you are in your mothering journey, that after this session, after today, you feel more equipped to do your job with joy, to do this job called motherhood, this overwhelming task with purpose. That's our prayer for you. I'm not up here because I did it all perfectly. And fortunately for me, my children go to college way far away because they would love to come share with you all of the mistakes that I made all along the way. Um, but I just want to make sure we get on the same page there. I do have two children. Emily is 22. She is a, whoo, she is a senior at the College of Charleston. Um, and then Joseph is a sophomore at Clemson University. So they're both um, in, uh, where are they, South Carolina, um, close to each other, but far from us. And then my husband, Mac, and I have been married for 25 years, and we um, actually uh, work at Lake Hills Church together. He's the lead pastor at Lake Hills Church, and we um, have had bumps along the way, but we love doing life together. And so um, I'm excited uh, that he will be speaking with me, if not this semester, definitely next semester. And maybe I need to get my kids on video for y'all. I'll let them, as long as I can edit, um, what they share with you. Um, my husband is a true Texan, deep down. I mean, he loves this state. He believes that Texas is part of the, you know, other 49 just to help them out. He would be all for secession. He is a Texan. That being said, in 2007, he was invited to take part 
of a... Um, of the inauguration of the governor. So he was invited to be part of the prayer breakfast that preceded the inauguration. Now, before the inauguration, they gathered together and um, he was going to say the prayer. And so you have to understand something. This was historical. This inauguration meant that this governor would be serving longer than anyone in history. Mac already knew that. He knows Texas history like the back of his hand. And so he was giddy. Now, my family, when I told them, my sisters and my mom, we are going to get to be part of the inauguration of the governor. Immediately, my family, they all together. This was everyone's response. Julie, what are you wearing? <laughs> See, I'm not known for knowing and being aware of what is appropriate to wear. If you tell me something is dressy, then I'm going to wear my dark jeans. And so every time Easter rolls around, it's a special event, I pull out my white jeans. I wore the same pair of white jeans five Easter's in a row. I thought that was pretty efficient. I was trying to go for a record. My children said, it's enough. It's enough. Actually, they're no longer really white anymore. But knowing what to wear is not my forte. So my family worked together and chose for me um, some nice dressy black pants, a velvet jacket, a silk top. I was ready to go. The night before the inauguration, we got a phone call. The news went crazy because they were expecting a huge freeze in Austin. The expectation was it would be so bad that the city would shut down. So the event coordinators from the inauguration called Mac and said, could you and your wife come downtown tonight, stay in a hotel, and that way we know you'll be here for the ceremony. Mac said, absolutely no problem. We got our kids situated. We grabbed our clothes. We got in the car. We went down there, checked in at the hotel. Mac was going over everything he was going to say. I was doing my best to be quiet so that he could concentrate. I mean, I had to work hard. And so I don't think he appreciated that. And so the next morning we wake up. It's almost time for the big event. I'm giving him space. I'm being quiet. I go over. I get out my clothes. I put on my jacket. I'm thinking, wow, I mean, I look like a grown-up. And then I pull on my black pants. What I thought were my dressy, big leg, nice, flowy black pants. Well, in all the excitement, you know what's so funny? Um, I grabbed my skinny leg, cropped, <laughs> cotton black pants. You know that kind that you wear all summer with flip-flops and you toss in the washer every day? Yeah, those are the ones I had grabbed. And so I pulled them on in the mirror. Mac is over, um, you know, studying in the hotel room. So I'm looking, I pull them on and I, Ugh! I gasp. And so he looked. Now, to be honest, Mac and I have been married a while at this point. He is totally accustomed to bailing me out, you know, of similar situations. And so he looked, and I said, I grabbed the wrong pants. And, I, and he said, and he started, I could tell he was thinking, I can save her. And I said, I looked at him, I said, the roads are closed, you can't get home, there are no stores open, this is going to be fine. So I said, you keep, you do your thing. You do your thing. I'm fine. I look in the mirror and I think, this is terrible because I have on crop pants like this and my shoes are like stiletto boots that only come up to here. And so it's January. And so I have this white piece of leg showing, glaring, looking translucent. It was so white. And so I look in the mirror and I think, okay, I can do this. This is no problem. 
And so I, I pull my pants down to cover up the white part of my leg. Well, I mean, hello, my zipper is here. I'm like, okay, not ideal. And so I pull him back up. It shows, and I'm thinking, and he's, I'm trying to act so, so big deal. And I think, I can't go. I cannot go looking like this. This is horrible. And I mean, hello, I'm supposed to be the preacher's wife. And I'm wearing hot pants and heels. I, I mean, not okay. And so I think, okay, I can do it. I put on my coat. I pull my pants down as long as they can go. And I think, I'll just wear my coat the whole time. Nobody will notice, you know. They're a little faded. Uh, everybody else is worrying about that they're wearing. They're not going to notice what I'm wearing. And so I pull on my pants down. I'm like, honey, I'm ready. And so we go to the event. Remember my plan to keep on my coat the whole time? Every single place we walked in. Mrs. Richard, can I help you with your coat? And I said, oh, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I'm chilly. I was sweating. And so I go in. I'm sitting in church, you know, for the worship service. I get into my seat, assigned seats. You can't hide. I, I mean, there is nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. I sit down. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Max Lucado, the Christian author. Well, he was also taking part in the service, and his lovely wife, who does dress appropriately, um, was with me. And so I was trying so hard not to make it about myself. And so I didn't want to draw attention to it. But I, at that point, had probably read three books in my life, and two were by Max Lucado. And so I was kind of starstruck, and I kind of wanted to explain myself to her. But it's not about you, Julie. It's not about you. And so I sit in the worship service. At one point, uh, I was getting a little comfortable, and I crossed my legs, and I was blinded by the white leg there. <laughs> Put my leg back down. I slithered out of my coat, you know, to pretend put my coat back on. We go over to the Capitol, do the whole um, ceremony thing. Just FYI, when you go to those things, that you stand up and sit down about 48,000 times, okay? Because every time I would think, nobody can tell. Let's stand up one more time. Let's sit down. Let's stand up. Then we go in. The governor and first lady would like to have a picture made. I'm like, by all means, can we document this? So it went on and on and on all day. It went through that, and then we went to lunch, and I was trying so hard to enjoy myself, and all I could think about was I look like a floozy. <laughs> I am wearing hot pants and heels with Max Lucado and the governor. I mean, it wasn't a shining moment. Perhaps you've never worn hot pants and heels to a special occasion. I applaud you. But you've probably felt that way before. Maybe even today you were thinking, ah, what should I wear? What is the right thing to wear? Because sometimes when we go into situations when we're not wearing the right thing, then all we're thinking about is ourselves. And you and I both know that what you wear does matter. But I'm going to tell you that it matters not in the way you're thinking. What you wear matters more when we talk about what you're wearing emotionally, what you're wearing spiritually, because what you're wearing is what you're sharing, and we're going to talk more about that next week. And when we talk about being a mom, fortunately for us, God's Word tells us as women exactly what we're supposed to be wearing, what we're supposed to be armed with, equipped with, as we go out and do our job of being a woman, being a wife, being a mom. So we're going to start this year by looking at our theme verse. You guys go ahead and get out your notes, flip over to week one, and I'm going to start with our theme verse. 
by focusing on what God says women are to be wearing, not just physically. Some of you may have been thinking, what am I supposed to wear to Fearless Mom? We believe in yoga pants and baseball caps. And we are thinking, if you shower today, man, extra points for you. <laughs> we, we, no judgment around here. We are a shame-free zone. I think our bus drivers, when my kids were in elementary school, I'm sure they wondered, does that woman wear anything but pajamas? And I think she just drinks coffee all day. And so that's okay. That's okay. Send them cookies. They'll get over it. Proverbs 31, 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. With what? Oh my gosh, half of you believe it. Let's try it with everybody. She is clothed with? And she laughs without fear of the future. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Proverbs 31 describes a woman who is confident in her calling, who has leaned in and said, okay, God, you put me here with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. Now, what am I supposed to do? I know, God, that you, your design, your desire, I know from your word is for me to walk with strength and dignity. And that's what I want to do. It takes work, moms. It takes effort. It takes intentionality, and that's what we want to help you do. Our first question is, what are you wearing? And I, again, I don't mean physically. What are you wearing spiritually and emotionally as you walk around, as you run around doing this game of motherhood? Are you wearing strength or fear? Dignity or shame? We're going to talk a lot this semester about strength and dignity as opposed to fear and shame. Uh, so much of my study over the last couple of years continues to point to um, evidence and studies that show that this generation of children and young adults appear to be more emotionally fragile. I know if you've done Fearless Mom, you've heard me say that before. And so all the studies are very discouraging, actually, about the rates of emotional fragility and um, mental health problems among teenagers and young adults. And so I believe our response as moms should be, let's look at this data, let's look at these studies, and then see what can we do to reverse the trends? What can we do to arm our children, to give our children emotional strength? And I believe that that starts when your baby is in the womb. It begins with a mindset of, I will be intentional. Yeah, sometimes I have to grit my teeth, and that is just for emphasis. And so it's as if if I were writing it, it would be in bold and probably underlined. But um, I believe that if we choose to be intentional, and purposeful, and we will not give up, and we will be deliberate, then we can reverse the trends. Again, just like I said earlier, I believe that an army of moms who are equipped and prepared and empowered can literally change the world by changing the way we change diapers, by changing the way we teach our children, by changing the way we address teenagers, by changing the way we parent adult children. And I think it starts with a change of mindset. I love what I saw. Anybody Olympic fans out there? Yeah, raise your hand because you should be patriotic. Okay, moms online, you better be watching the Olympics. Fans, USA. Um, I love the Olympics. And one of the commercials that stuck with me during the Olympics, I actually have no idea what, it was, what the commercial was about, but it kept talking about moms of Olympians. 
And it said it takes someone strong to make someone strong. It takes someone strong to make someone strong. So this semester, we are definitely going to talk about how to empower our children to have emotional strength, but we're going to take a step back also and say, do I have the emotional strength? Do I walk with strength and dignity so that I can pass that on to my children? I am so excited, so I've really got to pay attention to my notes right here, because um, I truly believe we can change a generation if we all get on the same page about this. I'm not overstating my case. I really, really, maybe overstating. I don't think so. But where do we find our strength? Um, I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 40, 31. It's in your notes down at the bottom. But those who trust, everybody say trust. trust. Everybody say trust. trust. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. That's where you find your strength. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Any moms ever felt weary? Yeah. I mean, if you haven't, then wait till tomorrow. They will walk and not be faint. We trust in the Lord. Our Lord is unfailing. He created you. He put those children in your home. It's no surprise to him that my daughter and I have complete opposite personalities. He, I think, sometimes has a sense of humor when he does that, but he gives us what we need to do the job he's created us to do. I understand that in a room this size, that maybe some moms online, you're thinking that's great for you, but I don't believe the Bible is God's word. I don't believe in God, actually. And I want to encourage you. You know what? You are welcome here. I do believe the Bible is God's word. I do believe that the Bible was sent by God to man to be written. It transcends age, life stage. It transcends any situation that we may be able to think of. But you may not believe that. I want you to know, number one, you're welcome here. And we believe that even if you don't believe that, you will benefit from what we teach. And then I want to, to encourage you to use the scripture that we give you as another parenting book. You would read a parenting book and you would try it out. So we want to encourage you to do the same if you don't believe that the Bible is God's word. I do believe the Bible is God's word. I have seen over time the Bible transform people's lives and empower moms to do the job that they need to do. But if you don't, you know what? Hang with us. Hang with us. You will get practical tools as we teach. Um, now, strength and dignity are certainly the goal. That's what we're all aiming for. But we all know, particularly with motherhood, so quickly... Fear and shame can creep in, take up residence in our mind and in our hearts, and take us away from what we are really supposed to do. It can distract us. It can, oh, and now I can hear me better. Oh, yeah, I just moved the mic. Here we go. Right, we're going to try this one. Uh, that was my bad. Um, sorry, online peeps. Thanks for sticking with me. Hope you heard me. Um, you guys heard me, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, we're feeling good about it. Um, so we know that fear and shame can creep in and take up residence. And what happens when shame and fear creep in is it convinces a mom that she is the only one. That maybe the only one who doesn't know what she's doing. Maybe you felt, I'm the only one who's messing up my kids. 
the only one who cannot get it together to shake the baby weight. I've chosen to wait on that, you know, and maybe when Emily has a baby, we can lose the baby weight together. <laughs> I, I think I've turned that into a mother-daughter activity. I'm, I'm feeling good about it. The, maybe you feel like you're the only one who forgets appointments or play dates or meetings, even though you just wrote them on the family calendar. It happens to me. I totally took Emily to her first ballet class. We took photos the whole way, everything. Wrong day. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she bounced back. Um, the only one whose marriage is failing, maybe you feel like you're the only one who doesn't have a husband. The only one who struggles with addiction or depression. The only one who can't afford five vacations in a year. Thank you, Instagram. Yeah, I I'm watching these and I thought, oh my word, if I had seen every child's developmental stage, I would have felt like a horrible mother because you know, I was a little oblivious and I think it kind of worked to my advantage. Um, so you guys who are being raised in a generation and raising your children in a generation where it looks like, you know, everybody goes to Colorado every spring break, just for the record, no, they don't. Now, they don't go every, not everybody goes to Disney World. And for the record, if you do go early, you are thinking, you know, oh, yeah, you're staying up for that parade. <laughs> I paid big money. Get up, you know. <laughs> you better enjoy these fireworks. <laughs> yeah, my kids, we were, they were like 10 and 12 when we first went, and they still stood in line for Goofy's autograph. It's awesome. Don't hurry. Um, maybe you feel like you're the only one who uh, doesn't even like her kids. I'm here to tell you. You're not alone. You are not alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not alone. <laughs> Let's tell all the online moms, you are not alone. The goal of Fearless Mom, why Fearless Mom started in the first place, is to remove isolation. It's to, to get rid of that shame. Because once the shame sets in, once you're convinced I'm the only one, you're less likely to reach out for help you're less likely to change behaviors that are putting you in a negative cycle. And we want to first say, you're not alone because shame is like mold. It grows in the dark. And we want to shine light on it. And we want you to feel like you can say anything in here. Use discernment, you know, with your language. But you can say anything. This is a judgment-free, shame-free environment. We want you, online moms, we want to hear from you if you feel alone. We pray that we help remove that isolation in your world because shame is like mold. It grows in the dark. Mold also dies when light is shed on it. And so our prayer is that we give you an opportunity to gather with other moms to see I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. And that is why our first value is to eliminate shame. Everybody say, eliminate shame. Shut up, shame. Get out of here. So eliminate shame. We want you to feel like this is a safe place for you to say, I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with parenting. We believe in counseling around here. I went to counseling when Emily was four. I had had behavior management training. My degree is special education. I, um, that was my specialty, was behavior in classrooms. And I had this four-year-old that I did not know how to handle. And I thought, wow, I mean, I should be able to do this. I've had all the training. I went to the counselor. I thought maybe it was Emily's hormones. <laughs> I literally said that to the counselor. And she looked, I said, could it be hormones? And she said, it could be your hormones. Yeah, uh-huh. So we worked on me 
instead of working on Emily, and it did get better. And that brings us to our second value. Embrace responsibility. Embrace responsibility. We believe that when we are here, we are working on us. We are not here to fix our husbands. We are not even here to fix our children. We are here to say, what can I do? What can I do to be the best mom I can be, to be the best wife I can be, to be the best friend I can be, so that we can empower our children to be who they were created to be. But it starts by taking responsibility. Turn to your neighbor and say, take responsibility. Oh, you know what? Some of you didn't want to say it. Turn to your other neighbor and say it with passion. Take responsibility. Online moms, take responsibility. Embrace the responsibility. Is it a big responsibility? Yes, it is. If understanding the responsibility of motherhood doesn't make you vomit a little bit in your mouth, then you're not really understanding the responsibility because it should be overwhelming. And that's okay. If you feel overwhelmed, you are not alone. But instead of running from responsibility, we're going to embrace it. We're going to take the bull by the horns and throw that bull down. And I will not give up. I will do it even though sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. I will do it better tomorrow because I stunk yesterday. And there were mornings when I woke up and I had to apologize to my children before breakfast. But I'll tell you this, I never gave up. You will, you will succeed if you never give up. Succeed looks different to everybody. Succe- you know, success, what that looks like for you. Our goal is to be the best moms we can be. Not perfect moms, the best moms we can be. Motherhood to you, going look different than motherhood to her. That's okay. I celebrate her capacity. I'm content with my capacity when I can celebrate someone with more capacity, have compassion with someone with less capacity. But uh, that Pinterest mom, instead of dogging her, I embrace my responsibility. Man, that's awesome that she did that for her kid's birthday party. I'm glad we got invited. Wonder if she can plan my kid's birthday party. <laughs> you know, maybe I can hire her. She makes homemade cookies. Awesome. Can she make me an extra dozen? You know? And so I embrace my responsibility. I'm content with my capacity. What she does, her business. I'm here to work on me. Okay? Third value. Equip with tools. Equip with tools. Yes, we're going to talk about you, and we're going to talk about emotional strength, and we're going to talk about walking with dignity, but we also want to give you tools that you can put into place no matter where you are in your parenting journey that can make you feel like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. So, for instance, let's talk about... um, I think it's important to teach our kids how to think, not what to think. Understand the difference? I think it's important to teach our kids how to think, not what to think. If you have big kids and they ask you something like, Hey, Mom, what does this mean? Your response is a question. What do you think it means? Hey, Mom, how do you spell dog? How do you think you spell dog? Hey, Mom, what does this say? What's your answer? What do you think it says? Hey, Mom, what are we... Always answering with a question. Why? It's quicker to tell them. It's easier to tell them. It's not my job. My job is to teach them how to think, not what to think. So I'm going to respond with a 
question, not the answer. It's just a little thing that you could put into practice today. Those of you who have inquisitive children, bless your hearts. It's awesome. It's awesome. Practice going back with a question. Driving down the road, mom, what does that sign say? What do you think it says? And we get into dialogue. It takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? Yes, get yourself a Diet Coke and some chocolate and you can do it. Okay, uh, for younger ones, you think, well, my child doesn't talk yet. You can go ahead and start that. You allow them the time. Again, it requires patience and intentionality. Allow them the time to figure it out, whether it's feeding themselves or stacking blocks. Whatever the task is, you're teaching them how to think and to figure it out. That's directly tied, by the way, to emotional strength, emotional resilience and emotional strength. So you're thinking, well, it's just easier if I do the Lego thing for him and then he can play with the cars. It's not the point. I'm not talking about what's easier for you. Get over yourself. First rule of motherhood. <laughs> okay? It's not about that. It's about equipping my child for the future. And so I'm going to be intentional and deliberate and teach them how to think, not what to think. And I'm going to teach them to figure it out. Those are some of the things that we'll be talking about. Um, the fourth value is to empower by example. Empower by example. We have an incredible group of women who are moms a little bit further down the road from you. Some of them facilitate small groups. Some of them greet in the lobby. Some of them do hospitality. Some of them work in the nursery hallway. We believe that our mistakes as more experienced moms are only wasted if we keep them to ourselves. So not one mom on this Titus 2 team believes, ha, huh, I have so much to share because I've done it so well. Actually, we believe that, you know what? God gave us this gift of motherhood. We did the best we could. We want to cheer on other moms to do the best that they can. And so we empower by example, oftentimes by sharing our mistakes. But you see, those of us who are more experienced moms, we understand a little bit about how quickly the time passes. We understand we've been there. I have a strong-willed daughter. Anybody have a strong-willed child? That's funny that you think that because I had the real one. Okay. <laughs> Emily could make your strong-willed child look like a marshmallow, I'm telling you. She was intense. She is intense. She um, would look at me and say, I can tell you don't mean it by the way you're doing your eyebrows. And I'm just like, holy mackerel, will you just cut me some slack here? So yeah, there were times when I sobbed, looked my four-year-old in the face and said, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yeah, can you imagine what her therapist is going to do with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was awesome. In the meantime, my compliant son was watching and I, we always joked about the counseling that Emily would need. And we're like, oh, wow, it's really Joe who observed all of the um, battles. And I'll share some more stories about them. But, um, I mean, with Emily, really, uh, we laugh now. They are totally, I will tell you this about telling stories about your children, another social media thing, because you guys can share everything. I tell stories about what happened a long time ago. I did not laugh about the stories at the time in front of them. I did not make fun of them to other people at the time. I am their biggest advocate. When Emily, now I did gain 15 pounds um, because I ate a lot of chocolate um, during that season. Um, 
but, uh, and a lot of French fries. Oh, wow. Emily would get in her little play car and pull up and go, I'll have a Diet Coke and a large fries. <laughs> oh, my word. It was so embarrassing. And one time we were at my parents' house and my sisters, we were all in the den. Emily's the first grandchild. So, you know, of course, everybody was watching me and how I parented. And so the doorbell rang at my mom's house. And my mom goes, who could that be? Emily goes, I bet it's pizza. <laughs> no. Anyway, we don't need to linger there because I can feel real bad. The good news is she bounced back um, and that she does eat healthy now. Oh, wow. Um, enough about me. But uh, then I had compliant Joseph, who was the complete opposite of Emily. He um, went along with everything. He's so compliant that he did not feel the need to talk until he was three. He just went along with everything, and Emily told him what to do, and he did it. And um, he was very happy with that arrangement because he never had to make a decision. And um, when uh, Emily started kindergarten, I would say, Hey, Joe, you want to go to McDonald's? You wanna... I'll wait for her. I'll wait for her. So he sat on the step and waited for her. I said, Poor thing. He has nobody telling him what to do. He doesn't know what to do. He just sat there all day. And then she came home, started bossing him around. He was, she, he was so happy again. All that decision-making wore him out. <laughs> so it is funny how God gives us these children, and some of you'll think, I've got this thing down. And then you have a third. Whoa, okay. Um, yeah, do a, you know, we got to start from scratch. It's God's sense of humor. Every child is different. Every parent is different. It's a work in progress, people. But we are empowering by example. The moms who are experienced are here to share this with you. That mess in the den, that pile of laundry, it isn't such a big deal. It will go away. Another point, he will learn to read at his own pace. She will talk at her own pace. That teenager, she does desperately want to be part of your family. She just doesn't know how to express it yet. And the last thing the days run slow like molasses, but the years are like a raging river. Can you pray with me? God, we are so, so grateful that you have called us, ushered us into this calling of motherhood. We are grateful that you give us your word, that you give us guidance and direction, that you give us encouragement from other moms who've been there, done that. God, I ask right now that you hover over every mom here, every mom watching, that they feel your peace, your love, your joy. And God, as they go throughout their week, that they feel and are empowered by your strength because they trust in you, your dignity, because they trust in you. Give us what we need today. The extra patience, the wisdom, discernment, common sense, the love, the joy, the hope. We need to be the moms you created us to be so that we can raise kids who discover who you created them to be. Thank you for this time. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.